93.3 WMMR in Philadelphia. The music of the Smashing Pumpkins on Pierre Robert. And our guest this afternoon and his amazing band, the Pumpkins, are in town this evening at the center along with special guests Jane's Addiction and Poppy. A few tickets remain if you'd like to go. WellsFargoCenterPhilly.com. And to say that this group has been busy with new music over the last four years would be quite the understatement. We've uh, been playing one of the new songs, Beguiled, for a little while now. But what's coming (laughs) is nothing short of extraordinary. The new project is the sequel to 1995's Melancholy and the Infinite Sadness and 2000's Machina, The Machine of God. It's a three-act rock opera. It's called Autumn. Act 1 arrives on November 15th. Act 2 on January 31st of next year, 2023. And Act 3, April 21st of 2023. And that will be uh, accompanied by a very special edition box set. So with all of that in mind, it's just a great pleasure to welcome back to MMR, William Patrick Corgan. Good day, sir. Good day. Playoff baseball in the air. I love it. Yeah. You're a big baseball fan, are you? I am, and it's cool. I mean, we're we're so sad because... uh, you know, you got the game going on across the street, and we're like, we wish the game was on during the day. We go to the game, and then we play the gig. So uh, it's hard to compete against playoff baseball, but uh, yeah, it's a great tour, and so happy to be back in Philly. Yeah, you've got a lot of dates already under your belt uh, with uh, all that's going on. Before we go further, um, I wanted to ask you, uh, because for a little while ago, we were hearing... Um, that you wanted to be referred to as William. <laughs> and um, I didn't, you know, so I don't, I want to address you respectfully. Oh, no, I appreciate that. You know, it was one of those things, you know, when you when you sign up for a phone or something and ask you if you want a tag, I jokingly put on one of these tags about a decade ago, my name is now William, right? right. This is a joke. My real name is William, but everyone, of course, knows me as Billy. And somehow in an exchange with a reporter, he ended up putting it in an article like he wants to be referred to as William now. Mm. So then from then on, everybody would always ask me. So then it became like this joke, like, oh, yeah, call me William. Huh. And then it became like a thing that it turned into like a clickbait. Like, oh, now he wants to be called William, like a Puff Daddy P. Diddy thing. Right, right. And so, yeah, so now it's a pun out of control. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm fine with being called Bill, Billy, or I don't like Bill, but I am Bill, I guess. But uh, Billy's fine, you know. You don't mind Billy? No, 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 okay. no, no. It's, I'm, it's. I was never William my whole life until later in life. So I kind of like William at this point. Cool, kind of works for me. But I, if you call me Billy, I'm like a dog. I still, you know, my <laughs> my head still turns. Going back to your earliest days, is it true that uh, you were inspired to play guitar after seeing a Gibson Flying V at a friend's house, and I think around your high school? That is days? true. Wow, that is true. What struck you about it? I think it was the two adoring young women looking up at lovingly at him as he hit power chords. <laughs> oh, that's great. Um, this show, as I said, uh, you've you've had some dates under your belt with Poppy opening and uh, the great music of Jane's Addiction and then the Pumpkins. And there have been t- some times, I think in fairly recent history, where you played with uh, Jane's Addiction and I think at Lollapalooza, you played with Perry and uh, Porno for Pyros. Yeah. So I, I've not looked at any of the set lists, which people can do these days, but I kind of don't like to do that, uh, to be surprised by sure. whatever the artist has picked out, because that's the way the show should go, the way you want it to go. However, um, some bands that tour together these days will do a song or two together. Has that happened, or do you see has that happening? Happen. Okay. That's not happened. I think our show is so tightly wound. Right. 
if you see the show tonight, uh, anybody listening, um, it's 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 kind of like a thing. It's hard to explain, but you'll see it when you see it. Okay. So uh, I want to talk about this record. It's called Autumn. It's, as I said, a three-part rock opera. Uh, and I guess, first of all, it would be safe to say you have not been suffering from writer's block. No, no. I, 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 I found the pandemic to be, you know, like a lot of people sort of, sad you know it's like okay am i gonna am i just gonna sit here or what am i gonna do with myself and i like to read but i like to write music more so i just started writing music and i'd had this idea for a few years of doing a sequel to these albums from the from the 90s and so i just kind of jumped in with both feet and 33 songs later two hours and 20 something minutes of music um yeah it's it's been interesting and um the reaction to the new music has been very strong so i think that sort of proves the point which is that for us, sometimes doing the deeper dives is sort of more important than sort of worrying about what we should do. We just, just do whatever it is we do. It's hard to explain sometimes what we do. No. But well, that's an artistic vision. You're following your vision. I, I would like to think so, but, you know, I think it's not a big secret that a lot of bands that have, you know, in our case, over three decades, you know, at some point you you struggle for something new to say because people really like what you did do and you feel that sense that, People want some form of repetition or familiarity is maybe a, a kinder word. Um, on the other hand, you didn't get into music to be kind of uh, a wind-up toy. You know, you know, our heroes all explored their musical terrain, whether it was Zeppelin or Sabbath or whatever. So, um, yeah, I think we're figuring out that there's still a lot of life left in the band musically. And I think that's very exciting for us because I think then that directly translates on stage. Well, in terms of the onstage thing, how do you work? Because most folks have not heard, uh, you know, they're lucky if they've heard Beguiled, which we're about to play. Sure. But um, they haven't heard. So I, I'm wondering how many of the new songs you uh, intersperse in the set and how, how you do that so that it still gets you off and yet gets the audience uh, appetite uh, wet, I guess, for what's to come. Sure. I think it's uh, you got to pick your spots. You know, you have to be careful. Um Particularly if you're going to play, um, and it's the same for deep cuts. If you're going to play too much unfamiliar music in a row to a bigger crowd, you have to assume most of the bigger crowd doesn't even know the deep cuts, which is which happens. So you pick your spots. We're playing four new songs off the new record. Cool. So, and uh, the best compliment we get is uh, people come back and they're they're asking which songs were new because they can't tell. You know, mm. in essence, the the new music fits in quite comfortably with our our historical music, and um, the fact that our uh, some people think uh, deep cuts are new songs and new songs are deep cuts. I, I love that. Yeah, that's great. Well, I'd like to play Beguiled. Um, uh, and it's the first single that we have from this massive project. Tell us about this. Um, well, in the musical thing, it's sort of sung from the perspective of the bad guy. So this is the bad guy singing. There's different characters, but uh, we'll skip the story for the moment. But yeah, the bad guy singing everybody. And he's kind of telling you to, it's, um, it's a little bit from the idea of like when they were saying trust the science. I mean, I'm a natural contrarian, so when I hear people tell me just trust me, <laughs> it sends me running. So this is a so in, a, in many ways in the, in the story of the of the autumn album, uh, this is the bad guy saying just tr trust what I'm telling you, everything's going to be all right. Excellent. It's called Beguiled. It's new music from the Smashing Pumpkins. Billy Corgan is our guest here at MMR. It's Beguiled. It's MMR New Music, and it's the Smashing Pumpkins who are in town this evening, along with their friends Jane's Addiction and Poppy, uh, down at the center. A few tickets remain at uh, WellsFargoCenterPhilly.com. 
uh, the way this project, a three-part um, rock opera in three acts, is unfolding just fascinates me. Billy Corgan is our guest. Uh, when J.R.R. Tolkien created The Lord of the Rings, uh, that it came out actually as one massive volume. But the publishing company said it's too much. And so they broke it up into three parts. Uh, it was, let's see, in 1954, The Fellowship of the Ring in July. Then in November of 54 came the second part, The Two Towers. And then the final part, The Return of the King, wasn't until the following year, October of 1995. So um, the way you've done this, you know, is similar, except it's even more, um, it's fascinating in terms of the numbers. Uh, and what I mean by that, and folks may not know it, but Act One is coming, as I said, soon. But there are 33 songs. There are 11 songs in each act, and each act arrives 11 weeks after its preceding act. Are you superstitious, or why did you do that? <laughs> I didn't do it that way. I, I was a superstition, but I, when you say it like that, I get very superstitious, yeah. Huh. It sounds like there's some sort of numerical plan at play. No, it was just, um, we were with this uh, label before, and uh, and we were going to put the project out with the label, and I'm still friendly with the label. There's no animosity there but you know he kept saying that the whole thing was just a bad idea it was too much music for the modern audience and i kept saying yes and no i think people do want music but i think you got to kind of present it in a way that engages their curiosity if you just dump 33 songs on on the average person most people just aren't going to listen they just don't have that time you know um most people i know that listen to podcasts and things like that you know they do it when they work out or so if that's an hour well the record's two hours so already they're not going to listen to it so my idea was just to break it apart where maybe it has a little bit of a story, a little bit of a narrative behind it, and then people could get in behind it. So, um, yeah, so it's, that's some big master plan other than just want people to give it, it – it's, it's, it's respecting people's time and understanding that they're probably just not going to drop and listen to 33 songs just because you want them to. But on the other hand, you've said if a Pumpkins fan over the course of these three albums, these three acts, doesn't find at least 10 songs that they like, then they're probably really not a Pumpkins fan in terms of delving as a fan through that material. Yeah, I mean, you know, there are Pumpkins fans that are really into the guitar side of the band, so there's easily a full album's worth of guitar music. There are people that are really into, like, the more strange side of the band. There's easily that album in there if you want it. So that's kind of how I look at it. Hmm. But um, when people complain in, in modern life that too much is too much, I just don't buy it because some of the most successful television series are those deep-dive series where people want every episode. Right. Um, I really think it's more of a qualitative issue. And if you're going to ask people for the time, then you have to deliver qualitatively. And if you don't, well, then that's on the artist. So we're okay with the pressure of trying to deliver from that side because that's what we do, right? I mean, we, we make a good sandwich. We want you to, we want you to enjoy it, you know? <laughs> um, tell me about the video for Beguiled. Uh, I was watching it, and I, uh, while it was playing, I told you it reminded me of... Uh, Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers. The production is so rich, and where it goes, it, it, I don't even know how to describe it, but it's just beautifully done. But there's so much production, I'm wondering how long it took to make that. Well, the backstory was um, we've seen explosive growth on TikTok, which is kind of cool because they're bringing a lot of young fans to uh, see us. So I came up with this idea of what, what if we just do a live video to TikTok, a one-take warts and all whatever happens is becomes the video there's no other edit it is the edit so um we got together with everybody in a room that day and there was no order anything and i stood there and screamed and say you go first you go second we made it up in about four hours 
So what you see on the video was just 100 people kind of getting in a room and me going, you go first, you stand here, my kids are in it. So here's the thing, I got... That's not one take, though. Yes, it is. No. Yes, sir. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, one take. Um, no no, no hidden edits, nothing. That is the take. And here's the thing, I got kids that are six, six and four. You know, they're little kids. And they dance in the video with one of their friends from uh, where we live in Chicago. And uh, so they walk out there with their um, mother... Uh, obviously my partner and I in front, we do our little bit and then we split apart and then it's just the kids for 15, 20 seconds. They're little kids, you know what I mean? So every time, you know, in rehearsal, every time I would spin around, I would yell like dance, you know, that was their cue. <laughs> right. But when we do the actual take worldwide live on TikTok, for all I know, my kids are just going to go, what, huh? Like stare off into space. And they're, they're awesome. And they're the ones in the dragon costumes. If anybody watches the video, those are my kids. It's great. Well, your outfit is quite spectacular as well. Um, fetching, as they say. Fetching! <laughs> fetching. It's, uh, well, how would you describe it? Well, um, I believe uh, it's, a, it's supposed to be like a wedding dress that I'm wearing. And somebody said in one of the meetings uh, in advance, well, why would you be wearing a wedding dress? And I said, well, I'm marrying myself. There's your conceptual basis for the stoners of the day. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. Let's talk about Billy Corgan is our guest here on MMR, if you're just joining us. Um, The podcast that you've set up to go along with this three-act or this three-act play or production or drama. Um, It's called 33 with William Patrick Corgan. And if I understand it correctly, it will run in sequence every week for 33 weeks. And what's cool about it is that each episode debuts another of the songs that'll be on uh, the album. Are they in order or how? how do yeah, you... totally in order. Yeah. Okay. So uh, every episode we talk about the new song, play the new song, then have a special guest to talk about whatever the guest wants to talk about. Usually some, somebody's a fan, so they want to talk to me about what they want to talk about, which is cool. And then uh, we do kind of a classic track, and then I talk about the classic tracks and behind the scenes stuff. This is mm-hmm. all music. Wow. It's so, it's so well done. In one of them that I was listening to, you said regarding this record, and this is a direct quote, I think, regarding this album, I think this is the band regaining its high ground, both mentally and intuitively. Explain that. Um, Because I don't think you ever lost the high ground, in other words. Well, look, we're at a radio station. I love radio. I grew up on radio. A lot of my influences came from listening to radio. So I have tremendous respect for the DJ. I mean, it literally starts with, you know, we grew up in the same generation, right? The DJ had the power to tell you, this is what's important. So when I was 10 years old, listening in the backyard to Cheap Trick or Sabbath, that meant a lot to me. Like I learned to trust that voice, the voice of the radio station, right? And here we are. Would you say 54 years here? The station's been here 54 years. I've been on for 40 years, which in my line of work at one station is quite unusual. It is. So, right. So you understand that lineage that we both come from, why, why radio is so important. You know, and it really has a voice in how fans find their music. So you get into the politics of radio as a band. You know, we've been around over 34 years, not continuously, but, you know, we've had good moments, not so good moments. There's a point where you can kind of get kind of whiny internally, like you feel like, well, we've done all these things and we help build alternative rock. And, you know, when when we started, there was only seven alternative rock stations in America. And I think at its peak, it was a hundred and something, you know, and thank God stations like this are still here, right? Because the rock needs to live on, whether it's with us or the younger generation. But you get to a point where you feel like maybe you're owed something or... You know, you, you should be kind of grandfathered in, you know, just because you're putting out a new song, you're playing down the street kind of thing. 
what happens is you got to wake up at some point and be like, no, no, if you're not going to hang at the highest levels, both in the business, with the culture, with what the kids are doing, if you're not really bringing the rock, then you don't belong on the street with everybody else. It's a sobering moment for a band 34 years in where you're like, we really have to go there. But everybody's got their own different version of what going there is. For us, it's making a crazy record. Even just to call it a rock opera, right? I mean, it's a bit of a thumb in the eye. Like, like what? Really? A rock opera in 2022? And then have people in the business tell me it's a bad idea. But that's what the band has always been. It's just like, you take those chances. Why are we playing with Poppy and Jane's Addiction? Those are two artists. Um that that represent what that is like that that risk taking that that that's that sense of being on the street with the people about let's make music that really connects people's hearts and their lives you got to get away from the business part to get back to the street part to get back to the business part so i guess that's what i'm trying to say it's like we feel strong internally so then we don't get hung up on the business because the business is what it is. Right. Does it make sense? No, it does make That's sense. That's how we got successful in the first place. We didn't sit there in a, in a room with a chart right. and go, you know, guitars are going to be in in 93, <laughs> so we really need to turn it up. Or a consultant. I yes, mean, sir, you, yeah. you followed your heart and your artistic vision and the rest catches up or it doesn't. Yes. And, and what I'm trying to say is you, you, you win or lose in the boat that you're in. The Smashing Pumpkins have always been kind of a strange band. Even from a guitar rock point of view, like we've had a lot of success making songs that don't even have loud guitars. The average person on the street thinks of us as a loud band, but we're really not in many ways. But we love playing rock. We, I mean, we adore rock. It's obvious. So when we find our internal balance where we feel strong internally, that somehow that translates. But sometimes you can get it twisted the other way. You start to think, well, I'm in the Smashing Pumpkins and somebody owes me something. Nobody owes you anything. Huh. That's fascinating. Um who is in the Pumpkins now? Tell us uh, what the Pumpkins consist of. Sure. Well, you got uh, three of the four original members in James, uh, Jimmy, and I. Um, and uh, Jack Bates, uh, who's Peter Hook's son from New Order and Joy Division, plays with us now for seven years. And he's fantastic. Jeff Schroeder, uh, who played guitar when James was out of the band for years, who's been in the band for 15 years. And then Katie Cole uh, joins us on tour, who does a lot of the background vocals. You Like Beguiled, that's Katie doing a lot of the background oh, vocals. Oh, okay. So it's kind of like a family organization uh, in that sense. And, and so there's like the band and there's the people that we work with. But but everybody's equal in the band in the sense that when we're on stage, we're up there to kill. So. Yeah. And you do. I mean, what is um, a band really gets its sea legs? And I think you've done 10 or 11 or 12 mm -hmm. dates so far, maybe more. I mean, what would you describe as, and you've got a long way to go. You've got another 15, 20 dates still mm -hmm. on this tour. And you play tonight here in Philly at the center. And I'm wondering uh, what it's like when you get those sea legs. You, you, you haven't stopped playing. But on the other hand, when you're underway with this incarnation of the band, how that feels, if that makes sense. You know, what's tremendous is, first of all, to be playing at this level at this point in my life is, is such a crazy blessing. I mean, I look out at 15,000 people in arenas like this is insane, right? Because the songs we wrote when we were kids... They're still there. People are still listening. They still want to hear those songs. But then to be able to play a deep cut or a new song like Beguiled and see that reaction that the band still can play at that level, that's when you know you sort of like you found the gear. Yeah. It's, it's, there's the karaoke version of being the Smashing Pumpkins and there's the real version. And when the real version happens, it's a different band on stage every night mm. because we're with the audience and the audience is with us. Is there a way of describing when that is on fire? Uh, because even if I, I go to a lot of concerts and even if it's a band I don't really care for or don't um, resonate with, I'll go to see if I can catch 
what it is between the stage and the audience that's bringing those two entities together. Um, and I'll go, this band is putting this out and this audience is getting it and sending it back. And when that exchange is at its height, um, from your perspective, it must be sublime. You don't think. That's the best way I can describe it. You don't think. It's like running really fast and having no ability to think because you just can't. The music's coming at you really fast. The energy's coming at you really fast. I'm not thinking of lyrics. I'm not thinking of the next guitar chord. I'm literally just like, like it's a video game. It just comes so fast. Wow. It's exhilarating. And then you, you, you walk off stage in those nights, you think like, oh, God, this is the greatest thing in the world. And then the next night, it's the exact opposite. The crowd's bored or stoned. <laughs> you know what I mean? You're like, what happened to the magic kid? Or what, you know, uh, to quote Robert Plant, you know, does anyone remember laughter? You know what I mean? It's like, you, I can't tell you why it works when it works and why right. it doesn't work when it doesn't work. It's a, it's a magical thing. And we've all been at those shows, right? Right. Um, me as a fan in the audience, we like, there's no place I want to be right now than at this show experiencing whatever this thing is and that's why live music is so important i think coming out of the pandemic i think people have a deeper appreciation of that again so it has translated into the concerts you see people like they want to rock because they realize how insanely valuable it is to be in a room with other people and have that experience i always tell people from this perspective if there's a band that you've liked and they're coming to town go see them and if you have the thought in your head well i'll catch them next time you just never know in this world. See them for what I call your concert resume. See that band. I saw Elvis Presley a year before he died when I lived in California at Lake Tahoe. You know, and he was the large Elvis. And and I went in going, all right, I'll check this off my list. And he was magnificent. You know, and he had the charisma. And I was swept away in this flood of what the hell was that, you know, that had been yeah. in place ever since he arrived in the 50s? If, you, if you'll indulge me for a second. Please. Um, I'm at a point now where I'm super grateful. You know, I have little kids. I was talking about my kids in the video, right? I have little kids. My life is wonderful and blessed. And so my biggest disappointment on stage is not a bad show, right? My biggest disappointment is I'll look at somebody who's obviously, you know, had a few years like me. And they're sitting there and they, they're not seizing the moment of what a concert can be. They're looking at their phone. They're waiting for you to play 1979 or something. They don't understand. Like, we mean, none of us may be here tomorrow. <laughs> you know what I mean? They're, and I'm not saying they got to be on their feet cheering every song. You can just see they're just not engaged. Right. They expect the band to be like a reality show that brings them, you know, to life. And it's like, that's not what a band does. A band is an opportunity you know, think about it. Outside of recorded music, for thousands of years, bands were there to create a party. That's what Van Halen was so great at, right? right. Bring you in the room. And when people don't want to be in the room, they expect the, like, they, they, they're, it's like they're watching the band like the band's on TV. No, we're real people. We're standing in front of you. We've come to Philadelphia. We're here to play. We're not with our families. We're with you. You're our family tonight. You know what I mean? That's my d biggest disappointment. Because you think, don't you understand? Like, all this could be gone tomorrow you know, including us. So that's where I come from. You know, if I have any attitude on stage, it's like, I want that party to happen like right now. Cause I don't know what tomorrow is. That's so cool. It's 93.3 WMMR. And we have the pleasure of the company of William Patrick Corgan, Billy Corgan, however you wish to address him. Uh, he is with us, a smashing pumpkins play this evening, along with uh, Jane's addiction and poppy in what I think is going to be a stunning show. If you're going, do allow extra time to get there because there's um, a playoff Phillies game 
And I, is it Temple that's Temple, playing? Yeah. Temple's playing a game in the football stadium, right? Yep. So it's going to be a crowded scene down there. But it's going to be very festive. There'll be all kinds of um, tailgating things going on. But I um, want to ask you about the, the new project, Autumn. Uh, when it's concluded or when the third act comes out, this box set uh, will have all kinds of vinyl. And I was going through it, and I love vinyl. And there's so many different combinations of the vinyl that you will have available. Um, tell us about that. Okay, I'm going to take it in. So the box set is 33 songs, right? But if you buy the box set, um, actually from my tea house, madamzuzus.com, there's 10 extra songs. So it's 43 songs. Wow. We made a psychedelic record um, before we made this record. So the psychedelic album is included in the box set. And those are all seven-inch singles, all in mono. So um, Why do you want to, in mono, just... Flashback to those you know what days. I will say I will say and and any rock fans out there of, of '60s music if you go and listen to a lot of the great bands the Who Beatles in mono it kicks a lot harder hmm. so these songs sound better to us in mono so yeah it's not just a throwback thing we actually agree with Phil on this it sounds better in mono huh. I play a vinyl cut every single day here and I I just love vinyl and I love that it's the fastest growing um, segment of the music community it's these so days. cool. Um, it's gonna, sorry, never do. But when we tried to put out Siamese Dream in '93 on vinyl, the record company said, "No one cares about vinyl. Why would you want to do that?" Right. Do you listen to vinyl at home? Do your oh, kids yeah. listen? That's to all it? I listen to. What about the kids? Do they get it? I got my kid my own record player, nice. and I got him a vintage copy of uh, the Tiki Room soundtrack. That's so cool. So nothing's better than walking to the kitchen, and my kids are in the kitchen playing, you know, a '70s copy of the Tiki Room on his little record player. So uh, four or five dates into the tour, the Pumpkins were in Tampa, Florida, and uh, you happened to stop by, let's see, it's called Microgroove, a record store, and uh, you're just shopping like any record store fan would shop, and the owner realizes who it is that's in his store, didn't want to bother you, wanted to give you space, but uh, he tweeted a picture of you and him, and I love that you, do you do that often? Do you go to record Every stores? Every day. Really? Yeah. There's some great ones in Philly. Um, I gotta go. Uh, yeah, I mean, I have like I don't know five thousand albums or something. Come on, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I mean, I'm, it was, I'm a vinyl nerd, as we would say. It's so cool that you did that. And he said um, at the end of the tweet, he said he left with a lot of records. <laughs> no discount, by the way. <laughs> he used me to publicize the store, and I got no discount. <laughs> There's a real vinyl set, a buyer for you. I got no discount. Uh, just a couple more things before we let you go. Um, I love that James is back in the band. How does that feel with the James and Jeff combination? You know, uh, quick inside story. So when, when, when it was official internally that James was going to come back to the band, the first person I called was Jeff. And I said, I want you to hear it from me that he's coming back, but you're not going anywhere. We're going to be a three-guitar band. Wow. And he said, is that going to be cool politically? And I said, you watch, it's going to work. So what we've done is we've been able to recreate the layers and textures of the albums now. Mm-hmm. So instead of compromising, like we always had to sort of choose what guitar overdubs, we, people say, wow, you sound just like the records. So it's kind of cool in a way. Something that should have been maybe awkward or weird or hard to navigate has been probably the greatest blessing. And the minute James came back, James plays this one particular way. It's very psychedelic. As soon as he added that layer to what we were already doing, it was like, there it is. There's that sound. So it's been really beautiful. Well, and the look of it is cool. Again, in the Beguiled video <laughs> with you in the center and then James and Jeff on either side, both with this really cool look. 
and you can see the parts they're playing, you know, even though it's lip synced or whatever. But I mean, it's it's really I'm a unity freak. So I love it when all the members or as many as possible can get together. And it sounds like that's kind of what this is. It's you know, the story of the band is lumpy, you know, right. Like, you know, you don't make a band to break up. The breaking up, the getting back together, who's in, who's out. At one point, it was just me in the band as an original member. And I would, you know, I would do a show and the guy would write, you know, it was a good show, but he's the only original member, so it doesn't count or something like that type of thing. So it's great that from the moment we step on the stage, the crowd is ready to listen because whatever they need to see or feel or believe in is already there. And then we just play music. Wow. I want to ask you, uh, before we let you go, about uh, um, you've had so many cool experiences that you've been blessed with. And one of them came in 1986 when you inducted Pink Floyd into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and then actually got to play with them. How did that come to be and what was it like? Um, here's the here's the best part of the story. So um, they want to play Wish You, Wish you Were Here, which is literally one of my favorite all-time songs like ever legitimately not just pink floyd like ever by any band ever so i'm in my uh, hotel room and there's a knock i open the door and it's david gilmore <gasps> with no shoes on come on with a guitar in his hand saying can i come in i want to show you make sure we're on the same page and playing the song so i sat there alone with david gilmore teaching me how to play wish you were here and then um they they were they basically it was there was some issue with uh, roger who i know a little bit Roger didn't want to come, so I had to read some statement from Roger. Okay. You know, so I, I was put in the position of sort of being Roger's voice, which was kind of awkward because there was obviously tension there. But, um, and then they got up and said what they wanted to say. But the coolest thing is they let me say whatever I want to say. They didn't try to get involved and like, what are you going to say? Can we see your remarks? They trusted me to say whatever. And I hope the, the audience listening will appreciate. So imagine I'm in a room full of every powerful music person in the world, right? Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And I said, I just want you to remember that Dark Side of the Moon is one of the biggest selling albums of all time, if not the biggest selling album of all time. And it was put out at, at the height of disco. And I said, I know all the people responsible for disco are in this room, and I will not forget. <laughs> and if you would have heard that chuckle from the crowd, it wasn't the ha, 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 that's funny. It was like the, oh, the, oh you know what? He's calling us out. They didn't like that I called him out. Because my point was, if you would just trust bands to be bands, You'll sell all the records you would ever want in a, in a zillion years. Trust the artists to be the artists. Because if you look at Dark Side of the Moon on paper, it makes no sense. There's no hit singles. It's a concept record about a day in the life of some English guy with people talking and laughing. and right. And it's one of the greatest albums ever. That's the music business, uh, business in a nutshell, industry. You don't trust the artists. The artists trust themselves. They make something that makes them all the money they could ever want. And they still go back to disco because they just can't help themselves. <laughs> there was another great moment uh, that I, and I play the song when I do a block of the kinks. Uh, Ray Davies, a couple of years back, put out uh, an album of duets called All My Friends. And he's got Bruce and Jackson Brown, all these cool people singing with him legendary kink songs. But he did something that you're involved in that was nothing, I think, short of brilliant. Uh, a phrase the English love to use, that word brilliant. But it was because he took All Day and All of the Night and Destroyer. And Destroyer, a more recent kink song, has the riffs from All Day and All of the Night in it, combines the two songs, and you and Ray Davies are trading off on the lyrics. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I love doing it. The only thing was, was Ray was like behind a wall of email. I never really got to talk to Ray. So you did it in a separate <laughs> I did studio. it by myself. And and not to take credit, because it's obviously great music, and I love the Kinks. I mean, to me, Ray's one of the greatest ever. But I put the whole thing together, and he liked it. So I thought, oh, great, I'll get to like talk to Ray. And Wait a minute, it was your idea to combine the two? I think it was his idea, but I did the arrangement that, okay. that you like. Um, okay. I did it a particular way that he liked. I was surprised that he liked it, because it was kind of radical the way I did it. Um. Yeah, but I I thought great. I get to hang out and talk to Ray Davies. Nothing. Oh wow. <laughs> Nothing. It's like the Frank Sinatra the, duets album. All the artists came in, but Frank wasn't there. Yeah, but look, hey, you know, all due respect, it, it, it was an honor to work with Ray that way. All right. One last thing before we let you go. The last time you were here with Jeff Schroeder, you were kind enough to play uh, some songs acoustically for us, and we had a small studio audience. It was in the room next door, and. Um, you played drum and fife, and then you had uh, generously given us a guitar that you had signed. And uh, all of all the people who were in the studio audience, they put their name in a hat, and we drew them while you were with us. And this lady won, and it was such a powerful moment. People still, when I play A Block of the Pumpkins, will ask me to play this piece. So we've got it queued up here. It's only a minute long, but check this out. Of the five people who won uh, with a guest for this MM Archive session, uh, w- one person uh, gets drawn and wins the guitar that you signed earlier, the Way Cool Smashing uh, Pumpkins guitar. And we have pulled out of the hat a lady named Elizabeth Strange. Are you here, Elizabeth? <laughs> come, on, come on up here. Come on. Come on up here. Come on up. How are you? I'm okay. Thank you. <laughs> Congratulations. Thank you. My son, Michael Strange, turned me on in his fashion pumpkins. And uh, Thursday, it'll be four years he was killed in Afghanistan. Yeah. <laughs> and going to Arlington Cemetery on Thursday to visit my son's stone. And I'm taking that with me. <laughs> yes! <laughs> oh, yeah. All right, well, you have And then to... I'll put it under glass. Can you, if you can tweet it, you know what I mean? Then we can retweet it and okay. let everyone see. That would be okay. awesome. Oh, that's so cool. Congratulations. Thank you so much. Thank oh, my God. That's great. Wow. I love that. Wow. It doesn't get much better. To me, that speaks of the power of music and generations. Her son, who she had lost, uh, you know, as a veteran, and you have great respect and love of veterans, um, had turned her on, the other older generation, to the music of the Pumpkins. She loved the Pumpkins. She won the ability to be in the studio audience, and then magically her name comes out of the hat, and she took that uh, that guitar, and somewhere we have the photo of her at her son's gravesite with the guitar, and you she did tweet it, and you guys did retweet it, but I mean, to me that speaks of the power and the healing and the just incredible magic of music. If If there's any thread in our conversation today, it's that music, like here we are, right? Here you are, here I am. It's It's our music. Music is the magical thing in the equation. As long as we stay focused on this, these incredible things happen. And it brings us together, like it will bring us together tonight. Once we get all twisted in the other stuff, it gets really weird really fast, right? And um, even like you and I were talking a little bit about how you went out to the Taylor Hawkins Memorial show in L.A. You know, yes, it's a big show, and yes, there's a lot of people, but at the end of the day, Taylor was a loved musician, and you saw that love on that stage. So do you remember Rush playing, or do you remember the vibe? I always remember the vibe, right? Because that's what really matters. That's why we're still here. Amazing. We wish you a wonderful show tonight. Uh, What a pleasure it's been to have the company of Billy Corgan. 
uh, a rock opera in three acts. Starts in November, uh, and it will be called Autumn from the Smashing Pumpkins. Uh, you can catch the podcast 33 with William Patrick Corgan. Where do where do people find the podcast? Oh, it's everywhere. It's, you know, all the typical Spotify, Apple. Cool. And I'm, I'm, I think I'm it's official the, now, I think. I'm a, you I'm, are I'm a broadcaster. It's on the Smashing Pumpkins uh, website as well. And uh, Pumpkins will be on stage tonight at the center along with Jane's Addiction and Poppy. And uh, it's been a great pleasure to have you back at MMR. Thank you for coming. Thank you, Pierre. Thank you. Lovely to see you. Let's play that song we were just talking about, Drum and Fife, to close. 93.3 WMMR in Philadelphia.